everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. This is the podcast where we're digging into the digital revolution and some of the other things that are going on in this uh, wonderful, wacky, sometimes very weird world we live in today. And one of the guys who is sort of at the forefront of seeing the weird, the wacky, the wonderful, and the, we'll get some other W's in there is our dear friend, Christopher Lockhead. He is uh, he's a writer. He's a podcaster. He's an entrepreneur. He is an all-around good guy, reformed Canadian hockey player, and we're going to see his cat up here pretty soon, too, I believe. It's always a tough session. Christopher, welcome. I hope that was enough of a build-up because I know you wanted me to pump you up here this too, morning. Too, too much. Thank you, Bob. Great great to see you. Thanks for having me back. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. All the happy happies. Um, great to be here. It is. It is. My friend, Christopher, it's about five years now we've been having these monthly chats. And wow, uh, I think wow, that, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and over that time, there's we've celebrated some fun stuff. We've, uh, you know, talked through some of the boring times, uh, gotten through that together. These are not boring times, though. It's, it's kind of crazy. And Christopher, I mean this seriously. Uh, one of the reasons I always enjoy these conversations is you've got uh, just a unique ability to see things as they are and say what they are there's so many people today feel trapped by uh i can't say this i don't want people to think that what if they get this impression blah 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 and i think you've really found a way to say what you think and it comes i know from the heart and i think that's why some of the stuff you're saying what you're writing your newsletter your podcasts your books are just so powerful today because uh you are not constrained by uh, bullshit by, um, you know, what you're worried that other people might think. We could use a lot more of that in the world. So it is a pleasure, sir. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. And look, I just believe in, in the power of authentic dialogue. And in the ultimate extreme, you know, we will either have civil dialogue or we will have civil war. Um, and um, I'm not a big fan of killing and I'm not a big fan of war. And I think the answer to uh, ideas, uh, speech, dialogue we don't like is more speech. And um, and so, you know, that's why Follow Your Different is the way that it is. And and everything else we do is along those lines is to try to present uh, points of view with data and um, and have a dialogue. And anybody who wants to have a respectful dialogue about things uh, of any kind, I, I welcome so today I want to start off with a, a story, if I could. So it was about uh, two, two years, maybe three years before COVID. And I get a LinkedIn message from a teacher at a, a high school, a middle school in Silicon Valley. And I've never heard of the school or the teacher, but he sends me a very nice note and says he's a fan of the podcast and, and um, he's teaching kids at this high school. And, and as a part of their program, they want to do a podcast. And he wanted to know if I would be willing to come in and spend an hour or two with these uh, 13, 14, 15, 16 year old kids who were going to do a, a high school podcast. And Christopher, and we're talk. going back to this about seven years ago. Approximately. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's about right. Yeah. So, so I said, great. I'll be honored. Drive the fuck there. And, you know, of course, I'm not charging them. I'm just coming to. Anyway, I get to this place and I'm like, where am I? And, and I'm completely shocked by this, quote unquote, high school. It doesn't look like any high school I ever understood. 
what it does look like is a Microsoft, Google, or Facebook campus. It's a multi-floor building, totally modern. I mean, it's an incredible place. I'm like, wow, it's just glass and shit and kids wearing $7,000 Air Jordans and $250 million backpacks. And I mean, it is literally the richest high school I've ever seen. And I, matter of fact, I did, when I got there, I thought my nav system was wrong. Cause I'm like, well, this is some kind of a medical facility or a Google camp anyway. So fine. I go in, I find the teacher, I sit down. We're in this conference room that looks like literally you're at a conference room at, uh, at Oracle or whatever. So uh, great. We have this chat and I have all these questions. And so I ask the questions and blah, 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 blah. And we talk about different formats and all these different things. Right. So we do the whole thing. And as we're coming towards the end, I say to them, and um, you know, what, what, um, what do you want your podcast to be about? And they said to me, without batting an eye, intersectionality. And I almost had a bowel movement. Intersectionality. And so I said, well, okay. Tell me about why you think that's important. And then what came out of their mouths sounded like a speech from Claudine Gay. Anyway, I didn't think much of it at the time, although I was surprised. I, I, I thought, well, you know, this is in the heart of rich Silicon Valley, and I, I chalked it up to crazy, but crazy anomaly. Yeah. Well, those children today would be in college, wouldn't they? And... What I didn't understand then, but I understand now, is that's how you get Queers for Palestine. And Queers for Palestine might be the craziest statement I've ever heard in my life. Now, I understand their thinking, and I want to unpack some of the thinking with you, but um, that's sort of aha number one. Here's aha number two. Roughly two weeks ago, I'm interacting with a gal who uh, I only know in the digital world on LinkedIn. Seems like a wonderful gal. Uh, she had been a listener and a reader. She has a podcast of her own with her partners. She had invited me on that podcast. She seemed like a very, you know, uh, real person and I checked her out and so forth and so on. And so, sure enough, she's a real marketing executive at a very real company. And so blah, blah, yada, yada. I go on her podcast. And we have a very nice time and it's wonderful. And uh, I can't remember exactly why, but she reached back out to me and we were talking about this, that, or the other on LinkedIn. And then she sort of went uh, quiet for a while. I didn't think much of it. And then she came back and she said, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I was off for a little while. I just had, uh, she says, my wife and I just had a baby. Mm -hmm. And I congratulate her. And I told her about the baby that our family just had and, we talked over LinkedIn about how wonderful new babies are and how exciting. And uh, she shared with me that uh, this she this was the first baby for her. She further shared that um, they would like to have another child, but her wife has to have the next one. So get ready. And there was some, you know, kind of fun banter about that back and forth. And then somewhere in the banter, I said to her, Bob, I said, you know, I'm so glad that we live at a time and in a place 
where two people who really don't know each other very well at all, never met in the digital, in the physical world, just the digital world, that she would feel so comfortable to share that mm-hmm. and that she's legally allowed to marry her wife and legally allowed to raise these children. And look, I don't know this person well, but every sense I have of her, she's a wonderful executive and, and a wonderful person. And it, as somebody who grew up with lots of queer people, uh, have a queer uncle, um, it really, I, I remember the old days. You know, I remember the 80s when when the AIDS epidemic was raging and everybody was blaming, calling it the gay play. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible time. And it just struck me in that moment, Bob, wow, how far we've come. And I'm not saying we don't have much further to go, but when you, I just, I had this moment of like, wow, isn't that great? Yeah. Now, these two stories are connected in my mind because on one hand, we have made tremendous progress on what I would call equality, real equality, where uh, gay people can get married and have families and not worry about it. And, and for the most part, I know it's not always true, but for the most part, I live in a town, for example, where uh, there's a gay uh, a queer couple down the street. And absolutely, my wife and I adore them. We see them all the time. We've done things with them. We do things with them. And, and they walk, they walk around, uh, in this case, it's two guys. And, uh, if they feel like holding hands, they fucking hold hands. And like, it's not only is it not a problem, it's everybody says hi to them. And that's they're just like, they would say hi to you and your wife or me and my, that's awesome. All that's awesome. And we need a lot more of that. And we need a lot more of that for what today we generally refer to as underserved groups. And when I say a lot more of that, what I mean is equality. And the the drive for equality for women and for everybody who's not a white dude, in general, in my opinion, has been a good one. And the successes around achieving equality, both in society and in law, to me are incredibly important. So that's the first sort of big thing I want to share with you. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let's get back to, let's get to the disease. So uh, there's a lot of things the disease, the form of this disease comes in, um, but most mostly it's DEI. There's, there's also this thing you might've heard called effective altruism. That was yes. the thing Sam Bankman Freed was the champion yeah. of. And I don't know if you realize, but the board of directors of OpenEye are a bunch of 30-year-old DEI effective altruists. And so the real story of OpenAI is uh, uh, three intellectual, superior, elitist, DEIist, uh, effective altruists decided that Sam, uh, that Sam Altman was a liar and they were going to fire him because they didn't like him. And they were going to destroy the greatest startup in the history of technology because as Helen Toner, um, one of these uh, effective altruist DEI people said, uh, she literally said destroying the company would fulfill the mission. So there's something very evil going on. You want to have on boards, right? 
Yeah, that's who you want on your board. Somebody who thinks that destroying the fastest growing, most impactful, highest value startup in the history of software uh, is fulfilling the mission of said software company. But here's what they're really saying. What they're saying is I, as a DEI elitist, my values, my ethics, and my judgment are the judgment. Mm -hmm. I decide what's best for humanity. And I think what most of the world, in the case of OpenAI, looked at it and they said, hmm, do we want these, and I'm not going to name them, but do we want these, in my opinion, insane, elitist, who have the most, the utmost disdain for humanity in the way they talk and the way they communicate? They do. Yes, they do. Do we, do we want them? Do we want these three 30-year-old maniacs deciding what the future of AI is? Or do we think that Sam Altman and Satya Nadella and um, Greg Brockman and the board at Microsoft and the leadership team at Microsoft, uh, do we trust them with AI? Now, I'm not saying we should fully trust them. I believe in Reagan. Trust but verify. And the reality is we're all doing trust but verify. You and I have been friends for 25 fucking years. And there's, you know, if, if I were to do something uh, out of character in a bad way, you would drill into it to see what's going on. So we all have it, even for the people that we trust the most. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be government regulation. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be uh, rigorous oversight and radical transparency. And I'm not saying there aren't potentially big problems with AGI. I'm not saying any of those things. But what I am saying is three elitist ivory tower um, uh, DEIists thought their judgment should be the judgment. So that's point A. Point B on DEI itself. What we saw, you know, it's... Uh, I, I didn't understand how deep the rot was. And I thank Claudine Gay very much for the education that she's given me. So I just, I just want to compare and contrast something. Uh, one of my heroes, Bob, is Martin Luther King Jr. I'm with you. And Dr. King said, quote, I look to a day when people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, end quote. And I have another quote for you by Dr. Claudine Gay, Harvard president. It depends on the context. And here's the fundamental difference. Here's how far we've come in a generation. Claudine Gay is just a few years younger than me. I was born the year uh, Martin Luther King was killed. And in that generation, we've gone from the modern, legendary, category designer, civil rights leader, who I think we can trace a lot of awesomeness back to in the United States, Yes, says that he believes that people should not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And here's the difference between Claudine Gay 
and the DEI elitists and Martin Luther King. Individualism versus groupism. They believe the fundamental driver of your value is the group you're part of, or stated actually more rigorously, the group you identify as. Mm-hmm. And if I understand uh, Martin Luther, and I've read his biography, and you know, I've tried to be educated about the man. I'm not an expert by any means, but he's a person who's one of my heroes growing up. I I was born the year he was killed, and you know, uh, even though I was Canadian, I mean, he was a he was a big influence on my life fairly early on. Um, and Muhammad Ali was my first hero other than my father and my grandfather. And so, you know, as a young man growing up in the 70s and 80s, you know, at the tail end of, of, of Vietnam and, and um, some of the huge social change and so forth, I was very aware of those things as a kid. And so we've gone from, um, I want all of us to be judged, to be valued for who we are. That's my interpretation of what Dr. King said. And the amazing thing to me about Dr. King was, and I think this is why the civil rights movement at the time made so much legendary progress. He didn't make it a quote unquote us against quote unquote them. His dream was a dream that I, as a young boy could relate to, even though I didn't really understand the whole thing, right? When you're seven, I'm not processing the whole transaction, but I see tributes to this man and I read things in the paper or whatever it is. And I ask my parents and my teachers and they teach me and, and so forth. And I'm attracted to this man because there's something very powerful and I don't even know why. And of course, as I grow, oh, and I was a huge Stevie Wonder fan and Stevie Wonder did this incredible record that came out in the seventies called hotter than July. And there's many huge hits on it. The biggest hit on it is called Master Blaster. I used to, I, I, I bet, I bet you, I could still do the rap in Master Blaster. I wore the record out. I still have it actually, because I have a record player and I still put it on. It's the shittiest record I have. But there's something about having a record from the time you're a kid, yep. and there's scratches and whatever. Anyway, there's a song on that record called Happy Birthday, and it's a love letter to Martin Luther. And it was one of my favorite songs as a little boy. So I related to these things in ways that I didn't even understand why as a child, but I understand now. And I'm angry, really angry. But I'm, I'm more sad. And this is the evil of DEI. In category design, we teach category designers, listen to the words, Mm -hmm. listen to the words, the words matter. So when people said defund the police and I said, the fuck are you talking about? They said, oh, no, no, we don't actually mean defund the police. What we really mean is we want to have community policing and we want to have and unicorns and rainbows and uh-huh. butterflies and, and, and Loch Ness monsters holding hands. And I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, right? I said, I don't know. When you say defund the police, I take you at your word. And my response to you is, what do you want to have happen when you call 911? And is police reform required in 
big parts of the country? Maybe it is. Probably it is. Let's get into that. But defund the police is a dumb thing to say. Okay, so let's get to DEI. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay, I want to focus in on equity for a second. And here's the fundamental problem. If you look at the dictionary definition of equity versus equality, it's very different. And here's what the DEI elitists want. And they're very upfront about it. Mm -hmm. They want what they mean by equity is equal outcome. Yes. For all. And equal outcome for all has actually shifted to uh, we're going to put our thumb on the scale for chosen groups. Okay. So just let that cook in your head for a second. So now the question is okay, well, then who are the chosen groups? Right? Who are the chosen groups? And remember, the group you are part of or identify with is the most important thing about you. And you hear it in the speaking. So whenever you hear somebody say, well, as a six-foot uh, bald white man, I'd just like to say da, 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 da. What, what they're doing there is virtue signaling that I'm in a good group. So whenever you hear somebody say, as a, and then they fill in the blank, that's what they're doing. It's called groupism. What they're not saying is, I, as a person of quality, character, merit, and value, based on a track record of being a good person, producing results, and demonstrating behaviors of, 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 of quality, have something important to say. No, we don't. That's not how it is. So, in other words, the group you are in must be declared before you say the thing right because the thing that you say is not most important what's important is the group that you're in given the thing that you say okay yeah. because groupism matters more than individualism and going back to your middle school podcaster group from seven years ago intersectionality oh man if i can be in two groups if i can be in three groups preferred groups Get yes. that up front. You know, my stock just soars. So now let's get to the next part of the ethos, because the ethos is actually hard to understand and unpack. And it's gotten very, very clear, at least to me, in a post-terrorist uh, attack, murderous uh, horror show uh, against um, the Israeli people through no fault of their own, for the record. And listen, I don't defend everything Israel's ever done. Far from it. I'm not a fan of Bibi Netanyahu, very far from it, as many Israelis are not fans of his. And I in no way, shape, or form can justify everything they've ever done. However, 20% of Israel are Arabs who live there freely, who have equal rights. Most people don't know that uh, several years ago, Israelis voted their first ever Muslim member of their Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Most people don't understand there were many Muslims killed on October 7th. So there's one country in the Middle East where Jews 
Arabs, Christians, and people of no faith at all have equal rights and live together in peace. This is one. It's not Palestine. It's Israel. And look, you may feel however you want to feel about the, the plight of the Palestinian people. Nothing justifies October 7th. Fucking nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay, so why is it then we have Queers for Palestine? Why is it that when Claudine Gay and the ugly sisterhood to which she is a part, when asked, does calling for the genocide of Jews fit within your code of conduct? And she says, it depends on the context, as the, as the other two did. Here's how you know something's racist. Change the context. Mm-hmm. Right? So had these university presidents been asked, uh, is calling for the genocide of queer people against the code of conduct of your university, is calling for the genocide of black people, of brown people, of tall people, of short people, of fill-in-your-blank people? Well, of course the answer is no. And it gets even worse. The hypocrisy is on top of the hypocrisy. They stand on free speech. Harvard has fired people for using the wrong pronouns. Harvard fired a professor for representing um, Weinstein. Now, look, I think Weinstein's a big piece of shit, and I'm super glad he's rotten in hell. However, those of us who know something about America understand the most evil criminal of all time is allowed due process and representation. And look, I have a hard time with people who represent these horrible people myself. I don't know how they live with themselves. But I do appreciate our system because there are people who are unjustly charged. And they deserve a vigorous defense. And the problem is we don't know who's uh, guilty and not guilty until we, we go through the process. And so I'm no fan of Harvey Weinstein. And... He deserved a lawyer, and he deserved a vigorous defense as much as I would love him a few minutes alone in a room with the guy. They fired the Harvard prof over this. So the hypocrisy is insane, of course. And so here's the aha. The DEI elitists have a mental framework, a lens that they use, and that is The world breaks into two groups of people, the oppressed and the oppressors. Mm -hmm. All oppressed good, all oppressor bad. Now, it used to be it was about, quote-unquote, minorities. We had to help minorities. It's It's not about minorities anymore. It's about oppressor and oppressed. So the Jews are a minority. They're a radical minority in the Middle East. They're a radical minority on planet Earth. And obviously, they're a minority wherever they are. However, they're successful, Bob. So they're the oppressor. Mm -hmm. And this is not about equality. It's about equity 
outcomes. And so this is the ethos that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a situation where um, the group you're in is the most important thing. And the group you're in determines whether or not you have legal, more legal rights than another group. And California, where I live, is ground zero for this. So here's a simple example. Nobody saw this happen. It was on October 8th. Nobody paid attention. Gavin Newsom signed into law a new law that forces venture capitalists to report on an annual basis the number of, quote-unquote, diverse founders they invest in. By law, there are diversity laws. So you have to, if you're a public company in California, you have to have a woman on your board. You have to have a DEI program. You have to, all of these things, right? Now, I want to be very clear. We need equal protections for everybody under the law. And I would be even willing to bet that there are some um, folks who need extra protections. I'll give you a simple example. We have a law in California that says that um, every facility has to have um, American access for people with disabilities. And even small business owners have to spend a tremendous amount of money making their bathroom, making their entrance, whatever the case may be to bring it up to these standards. And a lot of people bitch and moan about this stuff because it adds expense and it adds this and it adds that. I, I, I get the bitching and the moaning. However, you know what? I have a niece who lives in a wheelchair. Yeah. And if you love an, a person who does have different abilities, you know what? The extra protections, if you want to call them that, or the extra rights, for that kind of a person. So like anything, it's a spectrum, but it's gone mental. And it has led to some very serious, fucked up evil thinking. And this is the thing that we now have to get to. And I think for the first time, the evil of this oppressor, oppressed, uh, thought police, language police, um, quote unquote, DEI hires, DEI quotas as mandated by law. Here's the fundamental thing, Bob. How did the response to racism and inequality, which in my opinion were and are very real, become racism and inequality? for the deemed protected DEI groups. This is the fundamental evil. And now there's backlash against it. And it started before October 7th. And so I, I don't know if I, I meant to send this to you, but um, so June of 2023, uh, I think this is a CNN article, DEI programs and universities are being cut across the country. Multiple states, North Carolina, South Carolina, have introduced bills to track college DEI spending. In Virginia, Governor Glenn Youngkin banned the teaching of, quote, inherently divisive concepts in public schools and has spoken out against equity initiatives. 
in Ohio, a controversial bill that, among other things, would abolish diversity training requirements. So uh, that's in June. In February, headline, uh, University of Texas system pauses new diversity, equity, inclusion policies. And uh, board chair Kevin Eltifi, if I'm saying that, I'm probably getting that wrong, says certain DEI efforts have strayed from the original intent to now imposing requirements and actions that rightfully so have raised concerns of our policymakers around those efforts. And LinkedIn has recently reported that after a, an extraordinary growth um, from September 2019 to September 2020, a 56% for um, DEI postings, uh, chief diversity officer, things like that, um, the number is now starting to fall. And so here's the reckoning, I think. And here's the difference between Claudine Gay and Martin Luther King, in my opinion. Martin Luther made his dream our dream. Mm -hmm. As a little boy, I could understand it and get behind it. And I had no understanding of the content. I didn't know what fucking slavery was when I was five, six, seven. And even if I heard the term, I certainly didn't understand it. But my experience of Dr. King is one where his dream was not us against them. His his dream was inclusive in the real sense of the world word because I, as a little boy, embraced it without even really understanding it. Yeah. Because being valued on the content and the caliber and the quality of my character is a very easy, powerful thing for even a very young person to understand. And we have come 180 degrees since then. Uh, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more that the whole thing sort of made me ill over the last several years, some of this stuff, because it turned upside down. That dream that um, Martin Luther King espoused so eloquently and brilliantly and um, how quickly things have changed here. There's always more work to be done in anything, a company, an enterprise, a country, a group. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm delighted to hear that things are swinging back the other way, getting rid of some of this poison, toxic stuff. And I really want to thank you, my friend, for your, uh, not only your your fearless speaking up, but the eloquent nature of it and the context that you put it in, you know, uh, across the board here. Uh, these are these are wonderful times here, but there's danger lurking around. And uh, there's enough things, I think, going on, you know, outside this country. We don't have to create our own turmoil inside here. Um, there's there's much to be uh to learn from what you've said here christopher and thank you for the great ideas on some powerful subjects thank you bob bless all you right. and all and the best for uh the holiday season for christmas and the new year christopher thank you so much same to you the open eye thing um i think we'll realize that that will be put as number one the stupidest decision a board of directors has ever made most reckless Put all those adjectives in there and well you know, and when people start to realize that the board made the decision because they're part of a dei uh what they call quote unquote effective altruism isn't it interesting that these people who wrap themselves in do good and get yeah. super preachy about it somehow often end up being the biggest pieces of shit in history sam bankman freed 
you know, and th this has been going on for a long time. And yep. this is not a left-right thing. I remember as a kid when Jimmy Swaggart, televangelist Jimmy Swaggart, preaching from on top about all the things you should do and shouldn't do, got caught fooling around on his wife and and cried in front of everyone. I have sinned and wanted to be forgiven. And then got caught doing it again and got up and said, I've sinned again. You know, it, so there's just, it's it's not always the case. But these people who are radically moralistic, and by the way, I know rabbis and pastors and spiritual leaders of all kind who are not this way. They teach the teachings that they represent, but they don't teach them looking down, dictating thou right. shalt. Right. Right. And all these assholes, look, Sam Bankman-Fried was the poster child for this stuff. This is an evil rot. Silicon Valley is ground central for this. Before Claudine Gay and the rest of the evil at MIT and Penn educated me, I was shocked and did not understand why in Silicon Valley, Bob, yeah. has there been incredible silence from non-Jews supporting Israel and the Jewish people? Why is there silence in California? Where are the big leaders? I have been screaming and pounding yeah. the table the entire time showing support for Israel, exposing the hypocrisy that 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 um, Hamas leaders are multi-billionaires who live in Qatar while their own people live on $13 a day. Queers for Palestine. Being gay in the Muslim world, particularly the, the strict uh, uh, jihadist Muslim world, is the worst place in the world to be gay. The things they do to, to queer people are unspeakable. And yet we have this insanity. And and yet they don't place the blame where it belongs. And I'm not saying Israel is without blame. Yeah. But well, when you have billionaire leaders who do whatever they want and the people that they supposedly represent live on $13 a day, you can't just blame all of this on your quote-unquote oppressor. Your oppressor is your own leader, and they refuse to see it. Yeah, yeah. Christopher, again, so one, one, one thing before we go, here's the prediction. In 2024, we will see what is required now, which is there will be the emergence of courageous CEOs who say, we are suspending all DEI efforts in our company. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a review of them. And what we're going to try to realign around is equality for all is equal access to opportunity for all. And we're going to do our best to define what that means as a criteria. And we're going to be radically transparent about that shit. And we're going to be open to radical review about that shit. Because if you're Boeing, I think as a customer of Boeing's on a fairly regular basis, when I walk on a plane, I want that plane to have been designed and built by the people who are the most qualified in the world to design and build planes, not by the most diverse group of plane builders. Yeah. The emphasis is on the wrong syllable. I got it. Yeah. Christopher, I'm with you, brother. This has been tremendous. Got to run here. Thank you, Bless my you, friend. Bob.
Thank All you. the best. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you folks. Thanks for being with us. Christopher Lockhead, follow you different. He is the man. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.